This. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today you guys are in for a real treat. I have an international traveler, international serial entrepreneur. You can see him on YouTube at The Nomad Capitalist. You can see his book on Amazon, Nomad Capitalist. He is really showing you how your life does not have to be defined in one area, one country. Andrew Henderson, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be with you. I love that. Yeah, thank you. And it's great to be with you. And in full disclosure, mm. I binge watch your stuff <laughs> as, as as someone who represents, you know, influencers and whatnot. I say this guy's stuff is going to blow. Now, it may take a second uh, Trump or maybe even, you know, worse Kardashian presidency, but people flock <laughs> to your stuff. I mean, you'll be a million plus YouTuber. I, I just see it in the near, very near future. Um, I just love, I love everything you have going on. I'm going to tell the people, Andrew, when I say serial entrepreneur, he left America with selling a swimming service business, the broadcasting company. I mean, he, he made his money. You can go to his page and see, but I really want to go into the deep because you're very controversial. With, you know, even in your book, you're not a fan of the U.S. You've given up your citizenship. And I know, but I want the audience to know, for what, where did this all just start? Was it like one thing? Was it one too many like violence and you're like, I can't do this. I'm going to be next on the chopping block. Was it that one thing that just made you say, I got to get out of here? Well, I, I, and I appreciate the kind words, you know, uh, I, for me, the, the very early days that planted the seed were 11 or 12 years old. My father says, just out of happenstance, and I don't think he planned to say this, but he's just telling me, he says, you know, listen, um, I, I think there were some kids uh, around me who their parents were kind of telling them, when you get older, you're going to take care of us. And my, my dad said, listen, uh, you know, we've worked hard so that you won't have to do that. We don't think it's your obligation to take care of you. We don't, we don't believe in this thing where you owe us. Okay. Nobody's owed anything. And he said, listen, uh, if, if where we live is not where you're best served, uh, you should go to another city, another state, another country. Even he said, you should go where you're treated best and build your own legacy, build your own family, build your own life. Um, and, uh, it took me a while to fully implement that. But, uh, for me, it's been a baby step process. It started about 13 years ago. I started traveling and I almost immediately started, um, well, even as a kid, we did a little bit of international travel. I noticed things were different in other countries. But as an adult, I started noticing interest rates are higher in certain countries than others. Um, people do things differently. Certain things are more efficient. You know, I, and I, I, what I started to realize very quickly was there's no perfect place. There's no perfect ideal. There's no perfect culture. And that really, to me, the best thing is to cherry pick. And I think this about everything from countries all the way down to you know, restaurant service, right? I mean, like, why can't we just all go and see what people are doing best? Now, we were just in Mexico, and they have these little hooks to, like, hold uh, all your stuff. Or, or they'll bring, like a, um, like, a, like, a, like, a coat tree to put your coats on next to the table. I'm like, why, does that, why doesn't everyone do this? And, and you know why they don't do it? That's how we do it in Serbia. You know, we don't do it that way in, in Australia. Why not? If it's best, you should do it. And so for me, it's been a gradual process of realizing, you know, where I can go and be treated best uh, all around the world. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't just wake up one day and renounce my citizenship. It was going and living overseas full time. It was having banking all around the world. It was having business structures all around the world, having multiple citizenships, having, you know, all these different things. And I think just, you know, action begets action. Mm -hmm. And, and I know you are, um, you know, you've read Tim Ferriss and you, you mentioned that in your book. And when you start traveling like that, how weird are you to your friends? Because it's almost like saving <laughs> yeah. money, you know, in middle school. What do you mean you're saving money? Um, you know, spend, spend the money. If your parents gave it to you, they'll give you more. 
how was that action um, of, you know, your friends locally from Ohio and in America saying, man, what are you doing? You know, I, I, uh, I went to school in Ohio. Um, when I was 18, I left. My parents had wanted to move. I went with them. I, I kind of knew I wanted to start a business. I, I did the whole college thing for a year or two just to kind of tide me over and kind of not have to say, hey, I don't want to go to college until I got some business up and running. Um, and so I didn't really keep a lot of friends from high school. Um, I talked to, I just talked to one actually two days ago, but, uh, very rarely do I, do I talk to them? Uh, but I have friends and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of weird. Now I have friends now I've had for 10 or 15 years and they just get it. It's not their thing, but they get it. And sometimes we'll, we'll meet up in Hong Kong. They'll come for my birthday. They'll come to Mexico. We'll, we'll get together. I'll invite them to different places. But, um, here's the thing I've learned to me. Success is not common. Success is weird. And, you know, the more I've been successful financially, it becomes harder. Um, and when you add in this, this element of, you know, traveling around the world, living in different places, giving up your U.S. citizenship. I mean, I just went out with my, uh, my wife the other night uh, with a bunch of friends, and the guy asked me, where are you from? I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, and, I, and I try and have like a kind of a, a cute answer. And I, I, it's like I still don't have the perfect answer that satisfies everyone. Um, but you know what else? I mean, here's what I've learned. If you've got a multi-million dollar income, that's also going to be weird to most people. All right. Um, you know, we've got a, we, we've, we've had about 12 ultra high net worth clients, uh, in the last year, more than any other year. Uh, it's about, you know, 10, 12% of our clientele, you know, that's $30 million and up. And most of them were in the hundreds of millions or, or in one or two in the billions. Um, you know, they've got to have high level friends and they don't have very many of them. Uh, and so I think that, um, you know, success isn't common and, and it's just something you have to adapt to no matter which way that you're going to be unique. Okay. And that's, you know, the, the money conversation when you start making money and your friends are like, Hey, how much do you get? I learned a long time ago. Don't talk about money. Um, to people, you don't need to talk money. If it's not the CPA or whatnot, there's no need yep. to say, you know, on this, we made X amount of dollars because it breeds jealousy or competition of, you know, some sort. So when you, and this is for the young entrepreneur listening who, you know, whether it's crypto or, you know, whatever the latest thing is, they're making money. What is your advice to them when they start making money? Because, you know, you, you, you tend as a young person to not think of these things, but what advice would you give when you start making, let's say your even first $10,000, should you go yeah. and wave it around like you're some rapper and say, Hey, I've made my first 10,000. You guys should make it too, <laughs> because, you know, you haven't even paid, you know, any, any type of tax or, you know, you don't know what well, you're right, and that's the thing, right? I mean, I as a kid, I was very uh, political, and I was very much a libertarian, and, and taxes are too high, and they should be very low. And it's great to do this thing where you just kind of, um, you know, pleasure yourself to these kind of ideals. But but when it first hit me, and when I first started making some real money, all those, and it's like I almost forgot that what was theoretical at 15 years old was now real. I owed you know fifty thousand dollars. Uh, my advice to someone would be a couple things. Number one, one of the things that I think benefited me, it was very awkward when I was 21, 22 years old, but I had, I've always had friends who are much older than I am. Um, you know, and so, I mean, literally I'd be 21. I was hanging out with 40 year olds sometimes. And I think what that did was it helped me because I had a different perspective. I think the challenge I see with a lot of people who are young is that, um, you know, there's a drive in people to become successful. I think often to fill something. You know, for me, it was, um, you know, you wanted to get girls. I mean, I was not really the kind of guy, who, you know, in my teenage years, who could just go up and talk to women. And so, you know, you wanted to solve that. And so for me, it was like, let me accomplish something. Um, I think that a lot of things drive people. And I think that when you get some level of success, there's a certain cockiness that comes in. And so for me, it's, it's, it, it helped. I mean, I still went through this. I, I was not perfect at this. Um, but it helped me a little bit to tamper that by having people who were older because, uh, I think it was um, uh, Dan Locke who, who did something where he, he went to like a, a conference and the, and the guy came out on stage and said, you're all, I think, poor. Mm -hmm. And here are guys who are making you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars a year. You're all poor. Because you know what? What's, what's helped me even be humbled is sitting with a guy who's got a billion dollars and mm -hmm. thinking, whatever I've done is nothing. And, you know, that's kind of this, that's something my parents also taught me. I have this very kind of 
Midwest American Protestant upbringing, you know, be humble, don't get too excited. And I think that, uh, you know, it's very easy to go out at 24 years old and be like, hey, I'm making 150 grand a year or I'm making 300 grand a year. I mean, I, I see it. Um, and the reality is, I mean, whatever you're doing, there's much more to do. And I think that, that, that you know, if you want to take it to the next level, you have to believe there is a next level. And you're not going to believe there's a next level if you think that you're, you know, the, the hottest thing going. Um, you know, when I got out of my zone and started hanging out with people who were making $5 million a year, uh, a couple of years ago, a number of years ago, um, things opened up and I started to become more like them because I got rid of the idea that, you know, I'm the top. So that's my advice. But what about even if you do it perfectly, you stay humble, you stay quiet. What's funny is when we lived in New England, um, I was told, you got to meet this guy. You and him would mash so well together. Um, he bought his whole family BMWs. And he basically at 13 started building websites. You know, Nat King Cole and all these people were like his his clients at 13, right? And I'm like, I should meet somebody. And he's a, he's a cool guy, humble guy. But I should meet him because the whole city will talk about you and say, hey, this guy bought his whole family, you know, BMWs, whatnot. How did you deal with facts? I'm sure you've had those things where I know your dad was an entrepreneur too, but how did you deal with, you know, the rest of the tribe or the people around <laughs> you saying, hey? Yeah, I mean, um, again, I think you know, maybe I have a very unique situation. I think we all have pros and cons. I mean, the pros in my case were my parents, you know, my father in particular was entrepreneurial. They took care of themselves. They didn't expect me to do that for them. Um, you know, and, and my, the rest of my family, I mean, you know, we, we never had the big, you know, kind of Italian, uh, you know, 27 people come over for Sunday dinner kind of thing. It just wasn't us. And so I never really got that call. Um, I think setting big, I think setting boundaries is very important. I think that's something that was a downside of mine. Um, you've got to be really careful who you let into your space. And I think that for me, having a certain humility uh, and, and being told like not to get too cocky and, and always keeping that in my head to this day to where I don't celebrate accomplishments as much as I should even. Um, but uh, I think that was, that was helpful. But you have to set boundaries to not let other people take advantage of that. Um, you know, there's a difference between humility and what's letting people, everyone tell you that you're, you're terrible, you owe them. And that's kind of part of my theory. You don't owe anyone anything. You know, I'm a big believer in charitable giving. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know that everyone who lives the you know low tax lifestyle that I do agrees with that, but I believe it's important. Uh, but I want to help people who most need it. Uh, I'm helping, uh, you know, with orphanages and people with developmental disabilities and in emerging countries and, uh, you know, animals in emerging countries and, and uh, wildlife and, and that kind of stuff. Now, those are my causes. I like to go to the kind of the people who need it the most. Uh, and the people who need it, my, need it my most aren't, aren't my uncle who's sitting around on his couch. I just, I don't believe it. And so for me, that's the paradigm shift. You know, I don't believe that just because someone has a certain title of your family member, they're entitled to more than anyone else. Um, and, and if you can't set those boundaries, if you're going to let people, you know, guilt trip you, you're going to have a real hard time getting ahead because your customers could guilt trip you. You know, your audience could give me guilt trip you, your, your, your friends, your, your, your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, whomever. Uh, if you don't have those boundaries, people are going to walk all over you. And I can tell you that's happened to me because I did have weaker boundaries and people noticed. And so, uh, you know, it's a one word uh, sentence. It's no. <laughs> yes, it's no or go talk, talk to this person because they handle that for me. We have clients who they say, I don't talk money with anybody and I don't talk my schedule besides my wife and Kellen. And, I, and that's the service that we love to offer, right? So have those, those guards, but you don't even let, you know, leaving America, people guilt trip you because you got a lot of flack for saying, I don't want to be an American citizen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, I think it's was attributed to Winston Churchill. I mean, if you, if you're throwing rocks at every barking dog, you'll never get anywhere. Hmm. You know, here's what successful people do. Uh, they don't have regrets. They don't look back on the past. They make the best decision at the time available to them. And that's what I did. Uh, here's the other thing, you know, what? again, to sit with some of the people that I've sat with in the last year and in the last several years, um, you know, we have a conference coming up, um, you know, uh, our first live conference in several years. Um, 
we have uh, probably tomorrow, we're going to sign with a, a, a president of a country mm. coming in because he wants to talk about what he did in the country. Uh, you know, if you're hanging out with president, and, and again, I, I don't mean to say this to be uh, cocky, but you know, you know, if you're doing that, you don't want to go and listen to people who don't have a clue what's going on. If someone wants to have a conversation about, you know, the, the policies of, of who should be able to leave their country and where should be able to go and all these different things, that's fine. But just to have someone who, you know, uh, has no uh, understanding of how things work, uh, making comments, who cares? And again, I think that's the price of success. People don't understand it. And, you know, it's, again, it's amazing. I grew up around it. Not, not you know, the multi, you know, eight, nine figure and 10 figure levels. I didn't grow up around that. Um, but, you know, I, I always realized if you're really successful, you know, people are going to come after you. They're going to smear you. They're going to sue you. They're going to do all kinds of things. Uh, that's what it is. You just have so many things going on that some bad things are bound to happen. Uh, who cares? And, and so I think the most aggressive, it's kind of a, made my, my philosophy more aggressive in the sense that I don't have that much sympathy for all, for, you know, you know, they go out, politicians go out, you know, we got to save the middle class. No, you know what? We all went to the same schools. I went to public school uh, and we all have the same opportunities where I come from, at least. Um, how come some people are alcoholics at 35 years old and, and have a lot of problems and are, you know, trying to find uh you know, temporary jobs. And some of us are doing, you know, the exact opposite. So I don't, I think what's, it's made me really, it's really, it's really for me clarified the distinctions between people. Um, I like encouraging people to win. And if people don't want to win, I don't have much time for that. And, and, and I think that's a difficult thing, especially when you're getting into it, because the number one thing, my wife is finishing her last uh, weeks of fellowship. So, and I've known her 18 years. She's known all the crazies, right? And people say, you're so lucky. And I say, wait, yeah, right. we're, we're so lucky because what? She works 100 hours a week uh, um, for the past six years while having two kids. Um, we're so lucky because you put in the work. I don't like that word. I'm sure you've heard it over and over. You're so lucky. I mean, when are you going to get your merch so you can, you know, have, I'm not lucky. You're just <laughs> unlucky or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, I, you know what else I've learned from these really high level people that it's a, again, it's just a great continuing lesson in humility is there's class in some time and often just not responding. Mm. You know, uh, they're just, they just stay above the fray. Uh, and eventually they're just above the fray and they surround themselves with winners. And, um, you know, so I don't want to go out. I mean, I, I, you asked me and so I'm telling you my, my thoughts on it. Uh, but I, uh, it is frustrating for people to say that you're lucky. Um, and, and, and here's what I'll say. It's not even just hard work. Uh, I know people who are working very hard. They're hustling. They're grinding. But they don't have the mindset in the right place because everyone they're hanging out with in my world, they're hanging out with the digital nomads down in Bali. And listen, I've got multi-million dollar people that I'm working with and helping who live in Bali. Nothing against Bali. But it does attract, you know, in some levels, the guys who say, hey, you know what, I can live on two grand a month, so therefore I will work as little as possible to get to that two grand a month. Um, and so if you're hanging with those guys, you're going to think that's what's possible. Uh, if you're hanging with people making millions, you'll think that's what's possible and that's what's expected. And so I think it's just a reflection of the world people live in. Um, you know, again, I, I've divorced myself from that in that, you know, right now I'm in Malaysia. I walk outside. Uh, other than people who come up and say, Hey, I love your YouTube channel. Nobody really knows who I am. I'm not part of the, you know, the, the political dialogue and I get to be distanced from it and I just get to be left alone. I don't have to be surrounded by this negativity where if you have money, you're, you're, uh, you're evil because yeah, I mean, uh, yesterday I did, uh, you know, eight in the morning till one thirty in the morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't need to do that. You're so lucky. I, I could retire. I, I don't, I mean, like I live in Malaysia, right? I live in Georgia, I live in Montenegro, I live in Colombia. I mean, you know, it's not too difficult to, uh, to get by. I mean, I could just, you know, draw down on uh, the interest every year. But, uh, you know, I do it because I'm on a mission. And I think, and again, most people are never going to understand that. And, and so you just, you can't pay it any mind, I think. And you're so lucky to work those hours. Um, <laughs> I can hear somebody say, so do you even look at your uh, troll type comments? Because, you know, I I've seen influencers want to jump off the, the bridge and they're pretty big. They're like, somebody called me ugly. And you're like, 
Okay. You just made, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, um, last week. What are you talking about? Do you even look at those things? You know, I think you have to be careful with that. And I hear you. And I think there's, there's some part of that thing. Hey, you know, I just, I mean, yeah, I just made a hundred thousand dollars last week. And so here's what I can tell you, by the way, that guy didn't make a hundred thousand dollars last week. 1000% guaranteed. I'm in the business of high net worth people, mm-hmm. uh, winners, one of the people to be winners, period. End of story. Uh, and it's, again, it's really been humbling for me to hang out with so many people who are successful. We, by the way, not everyone we work with has 50 or a hundred million dollars, but there's been a growing number of them. It's so humbling because they're not doing it and they're not reading it. And if they are reading it occasionally, they're like, that's stupid. Um, I, you know, I have looked from time to time. I generally don't. I have a team that handles it. I think that looking from time to time has helped strengthen me um, to where the point is you know, like now I can, I can deal with it better. Because uh, when you first start out, it is difficult. But one of the things that I've done is I've just said, you know what? We're going to set a boundary. In fact, one of my team members just sent me something. They said, yeah, you'll, you'll like this. Uh, just early, just a, about an hour ago from someone saying, do you delete and block people who leave any negative comment? And we responded, yeah, we do. We, we want an atmosphere of kindness. I want kindness in my life. Because again, you know what? I already know everything about second passports. I'm doing it myself. I'm getting like six second residence this is year. You know, we're, I'm doing all kinds of new projects. I don't need to make videos to tell everyone else. Uh, so, you know, what do I need negativity for? What does my team need negativity for? Delete, block. If that means we're, not, we're hiding something, then, then so be it. Don't work with us. Don't watch our stuff, whatever. I think having a boundary, and that means you've got to be good, by the way. You know, we've got, you know, we're, we fill up the calendar every month because people want to work with us. Um, and so if some guy who leaves negative comments doesn't want to be with us, then that's fine. But, you know, for me, it's about having boundaries and I'm happy to do that. And, and, you know, understand that everyone is going to try and manipulate, manipulate you in those situations where they're going to, you know, they're going to try and make it sound like it's your fault. Right. Um, you just have to know what, what the boundary is and what you're willing to accept. And for me, you know, I've spent an entire lifetime in industries and people who are, who are not kind. I worked in AM radio, uh, you know, at a high level selling, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, of airtime um, for infomercials. And I mean, AM radio is the lowest form of show business. <laughs> These people, I mean, it's crabs in a bucket, like on steroids. Uh, and so uh, at this point in my life, I just want, I just want kindness. And, and I, I want to set those boundaries. Uh, so I think that's important. No, that, that definitely is. It definitely is. With, you know, you talk about, you know, going to these other countries and I, and my whole point is I want to have you talk about things that maybe you mm-hmm. won't talk about on YouTube because people might say, oh, that sounds like bragging. I think that you're very um, aware of how things may sound, but it's not bragging to somebody who is winning, right? Or somebody who's living their best life. Because it's if, if people think, for me at least, my, the life isn't all about, it's not all about money. Um, surely don't have, you know, a billion dollars. So maybe if I did, I'd think differently of it, but I don't know if I'd be a a nice person. Um, so give it to me uh, as I can take it. But you talk about, you know, women, um, and a lot of, we see men go to maybe Brazil and say, Oh, I just want to go find women. They don't want to go find women. They want to go buy women. Um, can you talk about just how, cause you talk about it in your book, you know, women can be friendlier in other countries. And just what do you mean by that? I'd love to hear you speak. Well, here's some people don't realize. I mean, you know, everyone says, well, Andrew uh, talks about tax, 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 and passports and all that. You know, Andrew's a tax firm. And so um, here's the reality. Uh, nobody wants to, uh, you know, hire a business to, to uh, kvetch about how they uh, can't date women in their country. And if they would, it's a, it's a very... Not a very profitable business, I imagine, that you're selling ebooks for $19 or something. So, you know, I've, I've gone where the best business opportunity is. We offer high level, uh, you know, tax and, and citizenship and immigration and, and that kind of advice. Uh, but, but at the beginning of that was me being in the United States and being a guy who, you know, at 21, 22 years old was, was starting out to make, you know, six figures. And, you know, I have always acted older than my age, especially back then. And, you know, I remember, you know, a friend dragging me to a bar and, you know, there'd always be the girl like, yeah, like why are you wearing like cufflinks? Like, what are you, are you like a loser? Like, what's your problem? It's like, 
And at 21 or 22, I didn't have the confidence to be like, great, like, what do you, you know, who cares? Which probably was within what would have interested them is to just be aloof to it. Uh, I internalized it all way too much. And so, you know, the thing for me was when I started traveling, wow, like I just talked to that girl on the street, you know, in Norway and she was pretty nice, you know, and there was none of that judgment that I felt. Now, you know, um, you know, if, if meeting women in Norway means you're looking to buy women, then that's cool. And it's another thing that people shame, you know, shame you for. They say, oh, you can't get laid in the United States. I don't know, maybe not, but what if you can get laid everywhere else? Yeah. Is it you or is it the United States? I mean, and by the way, obviously there's plenty of people who, who are successful in the dating game in the United States. I mean, for me, it was never a place I felt comfortable in. So when people say, oh, Andrew renounced his citizenship for financial reasons. Yeah, you know, actually it was a country from my teenage years. I, I didn't really feel an identity with. I didn't want to be American. I don't want to call, I love it now. I don't have to say I'm an American. And, and so are there some fringe benefits? Sure. Um, but, you know, where it all started and so um i mean it was funny we, we had our last conference um doing our first live conference in a number of years we had our last one in cancun there's four guys in the last night it's myself and, and a friend of mine from chicago and the two camera guys and we ran into or they ran into these four german women who were on vacation and my friend uh from chicago like his jaw dropped when he saw how like, the camera guys were meeting uh and getting along with some of these these women and this, he's like, their friends were like supporting them. Like, hey, like, you know, go do something, you know? And, and uh, he's like, that would never happen in Chicago. Um, and so, you know, again, this mindset that going and meeting a German woman is some kind of a traitor, uh, <laughs> thing, a traitor. I mean, listen, go where you're treated best. I mean, you know, we're all entitled to, to have love and to be loved. And, and that's one of the things that I think is really important uh, in, in what I do at Nomad Capitalist, because I think, I think there are some people who are attracted to what we talk about as an escape mechanism because they're not happy in their life and they don't have that love. And, and they never fully pull the trigger on the strategies we talk about because it's really not about strategies. It's about a feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, for some people, the answer might just be go to Russia, go to Colombia, go to wherever and find someone, you know, go to Germany, wherever. Go to find that person who identifies with you. For me in my 20s, that was people in Europe. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't saying you were doing that. Um, you know, you have a real relationship. We had just brought 30 people a few months ago to Kenya with an influencer. And one of the guys told me, hey, where are the women? We're at the Kapinski. They're all around. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, I mean, to, to buy. Um, oh. And I said, you know, let me let me bring you back. You're out of America, but this is not what we're going to do here. And so, and, and that's what I mean. And people do the same thing, Brazil, I mean, everywhere, everywhere there's women, right? And, and I'm accused um, only, mainly by my wife of before her um, dating old women. She's like, oh, in college, you know, before me, you're dating that whatever. Right. PhD candidate. She was so old. I, I like people. I like that. That's how I grew up as well. My, you know, be nine and hanging out with, you know, a 13, 15 year old. Um, that's just where we gauge. You don't mean to do it. It's just where you naturally fit and you can be an oddball and a weirdo or wear cufflinks. That is so funny. But with, with that, how did you find the older crowd or how do you, and how do you find these high net, uh, net worth people, because I think there's like a correlation between how you find people you're naturally connected with. Well, I mean, I think there's no magic formula, unfortunately. I mean, what I found is it has to be very organic. Um, so I've accumulated, you know, some friends in the United States over the years and, and who have been successful. I mean, I've met a lot of people through business. You know, the, the big thing I have now at Nomad Capitalist is you know, we've got I don't know, 10 million eyeballs a year between YouTube and, and blog, maybe a little bit more than that. And, you know, at the longer we do it, and really the more that I talk about what I'm doing, the more that I show that I'm doing this stuff, people just come. And, uh, you know, they come to you. And I think so, I mean, I think the best way to do anything to meet anybody is just to be doing it. Um, and if you want to meet women, if you want to meet men, you know, be out there and be doing something that you love and, and show that passion about it. Uh, you know, I once said in, in, when, I, when I was single, uh, I like going to afternoon tea in different places, uh, you know, nice hotels. And I said, you know, 
I was at the, was at the Majestic Hotel in Kuala Lumpur once. They've got a great afternoon tea. And I told my friend of mine, I said, you know, I bet if you spend every Sunday here, every week, and you can see there's all these different groups of girls coming in for their whatever. I said, if you spend every Sunday here, just talking to girls at afternoon tea that you love doing, you would do so much better in terms of dating than you would going to a bar every night if you hated doing that. And so I think, you know, the thing that's probably brought me the most people is just being nomad capitalist and being out there and just showing that I'm doing stuff because a lot of people, you know, have, have kind of borrowed from us. Uh, you know, they'll go to Tbilisi or they'll go to Montenegro. It's kind of funny to see these guys, you know, go to the exact same places that I've talked about for years. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but they're just kind of talking about it, generally speaking. They don't have 27 offshore bank accounts. They don't have companies all over the world. They don't have to say, and, and, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, shame anyone for their own experience, but I'm saying like, I think, you know, I had a coach once who said, winners can detect winners. So I guess the best thing is just be a winner, be competent in what you're doing, be the best at what you're doing, be out there and just, you know, quietly be doing it. And I think you'll attract, attract the people. You're not, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, you know, it's taken us seven years of writing and videos and all that to get people at the level we're getting them at now. It's been a journey. It's been a progression. Um, but I think that's been the biggest way for me uh, in recent years. And, and all the greats, uh, the Seth Godwins, the Alan Weisses, the Andrew Hendersons all say, you know, similar things of tribes. You're finding your tribe. You're finding your place. But also, let me ask you, because I, I know Seth and Alan have talked about, you know, the imposter syndrome. Do you ever get that? Because here you have people replicating what you're doing, but they're being in, in, imposters of you or trying to mimic what you've done. Um, but do you ever feel like I'm doing this, but am I really as good? Like, do you ever feel, get that feeling as an entrepreneur? I can think there's times it's happened. It's an interesting question. Um, one of the things that I would add, by the way, to what I said earlier was, um, the happier you are, I think the better, the more you are like to meet people. When I first started this, um, it was a lot angrier in it because I was, I was just leaving the U S and I had that bad taste in my mouth. That's not going to attract people, you know, and I, it's like, we attracted a bunch of angry people now to where literally now it's just like, we repel them. Uh, and I think that attracts successful people because successful people are not sitting around, you know, angry. They're doing their next deal. Um, I, the imposter syndrome hasn't been an issue. Listen, I, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, I struggle with, um, you know, you know, self confidence and, and feeling good about what you're doing. Cause you're in, you're stuck in it. Um, now what I've done is I've just had coaches and, um, you know, therapists, I've, I've done it all for years. And so I've been very focused on self-awareness and improving myself. Uh, to to work through a lot of that and to be much better today, um, but you know, for me, the issue in our industry uh, is not that people replicate because you know that's a form of flattery. I think that for me, the big thing again, being that Midwestern kid, is it's just about ethics. It's about your word is your bond. It's about you know the golden rule. Uh, when people go out and they steal our slogan word for word, or they try and use my name to drive business, yeah, you know, we push back against that. And that's not a popular thing to do these days. Everyone throws around, you've got to be transparent, and everyone's allowed to rip you off. I don't believe that. I'm old school. Yeah. If you're going to steal my, you know, trademarks, and you're going to try and use it to, you know, sell some kind of service, we're not going to allow that. Uh, and so I think the challenge in my industry is, again, you, it attracts a lot of people who are corner cutters. And that's the thing since 2012, I said, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to be the only guy who uses my face, my name. I'm going to be as transparent as possible. You're never going to please everyone, but I'm going to share as much as I can. You know, here I am. I'm, I'm a real person. I'm not a caricature. Now I see some people in the industry starting to come out and show their face and that kind of thing. But we were the first ones to do it because I believed there was a better way to communicate with people on a, on a big level um than to be a corner cutter and to hide out and to run some kind of you know kind of scammy little libertarian outfit um where you know you just try and you know whatever you can get away with i i don't believe in that and i think it's not a secret to success you know trying to cut corners and just see what you can get away with yes and and people might hear this and say oh well okay for tax reasons for this maybe you know he found his wife overseas or maybe it's this I think they might think that it's just so easy 
to, you know, uproot your your life and you in your book and i'm not going to say where because i want them to go you know read your book and go through your website but it is easy in some places as you put it where maybe you need to put you know five thousand dollars down in a bank account but then there's places where okay money's not just going to answer your your things i don't care what the donation is there's a process you may have to stay here for a certain amount of time and for someone who has freedom or wants to be a lot of places you know that this country might not be good for you because they're going to want to, you know, have you be here. And and if you stay too long, they might start taxing you. You know, if you stay six months, right. they might start taxing you. So it's not as easy as that. But one place that, or one continent, and you've touched on it, but I, I think you're going to make more videos in the future on Africa. Because mm-hmm. with the emerging markets and governments changing, and once we get these guys who are like 70 and up, out of here in a lot of these places and um you know ethiopia to me is a place where going through the whole country you can see okay more young people even their president um what is your you know take because i'll get a lot of flack if i don't ask you an africa question um what is your take in africa and you know are there any surprises that you've learned as of recent of your last you know thought or conversation yeah, it's interesting. I made a video where I talked about, you know, why I haven't been as focused on Africa. And part of it is, um, you know, I talk about investing in pretty, you know, in countries that are, you know, European, you know, Serbia, Montenegro. A lot of people freak out about that. And so, you know, imagine if people can't go to, I mean, sometimes people push back on, you know, Portugal. Um, you know, I, I had a friend who's from Australia. He said, we're taught just to invest in our own city. If you're from Sydney, and you invest in Melbourne, it's like you're out in the, on the skinny branches. I mean, you're really adventurous. Um, so I said, you know, if, if I can't get people to do that on a mass scale, um, and obviously we've, we've driven thousands of people to go and invest in Georgia, by the way, or open bank accounts in Georgia, uh, for example. But nevertheless, you know, how am I going to get them to invest in Chad? <laughs> um, you know, I, I just talked recently about how I think Egypt is, is going to be an incredible value play. Um, I think it's a fascinating place, you know, Cairo in particular. I was talking to my Egyptian friend just this weekend about it. Um, you know, some parts of Northern Africa, I think, have good deals. Some of them may be more for lifestyle investing and just spending time there. I think there are some interesting pockets, like, you know, seaside villas kind of thing on the cheap. Um, I think Cairo could be a great market. Rwanda has been very interesting to watch. Botswana, I think, is, is probably almost like it's too late. Uh, in many situations. Zambia has been interesting, but I'm not sure about that yet. Ethiopia, I think you might have a point on that. Um, so there are some definitely some interesting markets. Um, but, you know, for me, obviously, what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to guide people, you know, where can they go and get something done? For me, it's all about action. Uh, imperfect action trumps perfect uh, inaction all the time. And, uh, you know, the challenge I think that's out there is, you know, getting people to go and invest in, in Ethiopia uh, on a broad level is, is challenging. But on a personal level, it fascinates me. And, and, and I think it's going to be something we're going to be doing uh, in the next year. Okay. Okay. And, and so it's the, the convincing. That's, that is interesting. Botswana, I had a friend maybe 15 years ago. He, he begged me to give him a little amount of money to buy a house. He was, you know, doing his thing. He's like, well, manage everything. We'll get this. And I was just getting married around the time or just, you know, it was a rough situation, even in life. (laughs) It was one of those. And I'm like, I could give you this money, but I'm not going to be going to Botswana anytime soon. I'm trying to deal with, you know, real life and, you know, being married or, or whatever. So, you know, yeah, Botswana is one of those great places, but what do you think about places that might, you know, um, be so cheap, like, you know, I know you, the Gambia, you had mentioned, um, yeah. but West and Central Africa, sometimes even when there's a conflict, it's a great time to buy because nobody. Well, yeah, yeah um, I do like that opportunity. I mean, um, it was interesting. I just read an article the other day about how some of the wealthier parts of Caracas are really coming back in Venezuela and, and you might have missed your uh, your chance there. Iran obviously has a lot of issues um, politically and economically, but uh, Tehran, I mean, you, you saw some people doing some, some good property deals. Uh, so I think that's an interesting part for part of the portfolio. Um, I have had a couple people I've worked with who are from Africa and they're all in and they're making a fortune of running businesses all over Africa. What I love about emerging countries and I guess frontier markets 
in the case of Africa is you can do the simplest of businesses. Uh, I mean, I've talked about some of the Eastern European countries I'm in. One guy actually took my advice. He's doing it in Serbia. Start a real estate website. There's 27 million of them in the United States, but there's zero of them in many of the countries that I'm in. And you could get a lot of business. I mean, imagine with all the people, all the people we've sent to Georgia, someone with a really sharp real estate website could have raked it in. Um, and people have tried and given up. And so I think in Africa, it's the same thing. I've seen people, uh, I had a guy who, he just runs a cement company. He's making millions. Cement in like Mozambique, I think it was. He's doing deals in Angola. But, you know, for those frontier markets, if you're going to make the big money, you need to be there on the ground. You've got to be watching it. I've got a friend uh, who runs a website called Investation. He runs a property fund in Cambodia. He lives in Thailand, but he's in Cambodia half the time, and he's got a local staff there helping him run the thing. You can't just be running it from the United States. You've got to be there. Um, so that's the challenge of the frontier market. But, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential. Uh, and if I were, you know, 19 years old, I'll tell you one quick story. In the radio business, Howard Stern uh, once said that when he was a young DJ, every month, or every was it every week, every month, in radio and records, there was an ad to be a DJ in Nome, Alaska. <laughs> Anyone could do it. Like, if you could show up sober to the radio, and I know radio, I mean, this is, this is how desperate some of these small stations are. If you showed up sober, you're on the air. Because no one wants to move to Nome, Alaska. So if you're willing to do what no one else is willing to do and you're willing to move to Africa, I think, you know, you could figure it out, but you got to be there. And, and do you think that's changing? And, and, and again, I'm a, um, some would say maybe a, a, a dreamer, sometimes crazy, part-time crazy. I'll admit that. But even with my wife or other people, they'll, they'll say, well, in Africa, you know, the power will go out. I said, okay, so let's put solar. Oh, okay. What about the, the water situation? We'll put the, you know, big tubs, we'll collect our water. And then with the money situation, Africa, everybody has a cell phone now. Um, yeah. And with, you know, they're, they're more advanced than the touchless. I mean, we were in uh, the London uh, a couple months ago with the whole family. We're trying to catch a bus. And I'm like, we can't catch a bus unless you have the touch list. So, you know, in, in Africa is going to – I think Africa – is more inclined to that. Cause here in America, people are like, what do you mean? Touchless, contactless, whatever. Um, you know, you just wave the thing. So I want to collect, and I have a business I'm working on this year. I just want to collect money like that. If you can't pay us like that, I don't want the money. I don't want your money because I want to be able to see, and I want to be in the now, which might look like the future, but the technology is here now. So let's use it. So do you think those things will change? And if so, um, what is your prediction on where, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, as a guy who came from the radio business, when I started traveling, I mean, obviously when I was in the radio business, I knew it wasn't going to be a, you know, a forever kind of thing. I mean, you know, selling people and selling companies to uh, host their own radio show and promote themselves. I mean, not exactly uh, uh, in the era of podcasts, uh, a necessity. Uh, but, you know, when I started traveling and you, you go to these emerging countries and, you know, people, you know, they're just starting to get, get some money. Uh, they skipped the whole radio thing. Uh, people didn't own a radio, some of these people. And so they're just going right to listening to stuff on their phone. Um, and so I think the same thing with banking. I mean, you're now you're seeing fintechs and, and, and you know, kind of mobile banking uh, that's coming to Africa. And people are just skipping this idea of you go to the branch. Uh, that's out. You know? yeah. uh, and so they're just going to kind of skip some of the things that we've taken for granted. And so I think, you know, what that does, I mean, for me, it's all about culture. Just because you're an emerging country or a frontier country doesn't mean that you're going to have the right culture to do this stuff. But there are a number of cultures number of countries that have decided we're just going to do things right. We can build any infrastructure we want because we're starting out fresh. Um, George has been a great example of that. I mean, they were one of the leaders, uh, one of the early adopters of contactless, for example. Um, they have really advanced payment systems for paying anything there. Uh, it's so much easier than anywhere in the U.S. or Western Europe in the country of Georgia. And I think in Africa, they have some opportunities like that too. I mean, if, if the goal is we've got a clean slate. Let's just get up to the best there is. That's fine. The biggest challenge that goes back to your comment about what your friends are saying is, you know, if you're just going to, going to, you know, cross your, uh, your arms across your chest and say, well, that's not how we do it. You're going to fail. <laughs> and if you're going to have an excuse for everything, you're going to fail. But again, it goes back to success is weird. Most people have excuses for everything. Uh, as a, as a coach of mine said, 
Lying is social lubricant of society. We all go around telling white lies to each other. I don't, I, I try not to, but the average person goes around, everything's a white lie. You know, someone makes them, oh, oh, I'm sorry for the confusion. Or, you know, I spent 2,000 nights at uh, uh, hotels, many of them at the Marriott hotels. I got, a, I got a crash course on how corporate hotels work. They've I saw that video. <laughs> They've got a script. They never, they never met anything. You and I could talk to them until, you know, until, you know, we're on Mars and they would never just be honest with you. Like it's just lying is the social lubricant. Excuses are the social lubricant. I, you know, look, it's lonely at the top, but you know, if you want to be successful, you can't make excuses. That I laugh so hard at that video because I just, I'm one of those, I'm, I might be too honest. That's why I got to get out of Seattle um, because things are just a little Probably too not the best place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I laugh. Nice so, city, but, you know. Yeah. Great, great city. But it's just, it's just when you're honest, you're honest. Even with my wife, she's like, well, you're not going to apologize. Well, I meant what I said. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but I meant what I said. Um, and that's how I felt. And in psychology, you know, you're entitled to your feelings. So, and, and that's all that, that, that you, you have. I, right I, I, you know, I, I, obviously I think that some people take, you know, some people take that too far mm. where it's just like, no, I'm not being insulting. I'm being direct. I mean, you know, this, this is the thing that the guy said earlier today was, oh, you can't take any mild criticism. Like, dude, your definition of mild and everyone else's definition of mild, I'm betting is about, a, a, you know, 100 miles apart. Um, so obviously, you know, there, there's always a fine line with everything. But yeah, I mean, I, here's me. I just like to be surrounded by people who are doing the job, right? I mean, this is me. Uh, when I say I'm working 15 hours a day, it's not like I'm on Facebook half that time, right? I'm like, it's a solid 15 hours. And people say, oh, Andrew's a superhuman. No, just you're used to the paradigm of work starts at nine, but they don't care if you come in at 920. And then you make yourself coffee and go pee and do everything else. And you start at 1003 and you kind of sluggishly scroll through emails and pick up the keyboard. Like, you know, that's not, that's not, that's not going to get you there. Um, and so again, if we bring it back to countries, where are countries just throwing out the gauntlet? I mean, if you look at how, and I, I keep mentioning Georgia as a great example, they came in, the president came in in uh, 04, a whole police force in the whole country's fired. You're out because you guys are a bunch of corrupt, uh, it's a den of thieves. You're all out. That's a pretty radical thing to do, but that's what you have to do if you want to make change. And most people in most countries aren't willing to do that. And this one definitely um, isn't. I, I, I remember reading how someone had said, you know, to be a police officer here, they think that you should be a teacher first. And every like five years you go back and forth. So then you would understand, you know, how to deal with if you can deal with kids, you can definitely deal, you know, and go back and forth to have that compassion. Those things would never happen here. Um, or you'd have a lot of, you know, just uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fear of trying something different. And that's why. I personally like being outside of the U.S. because you can try different things without it having an act of Congress. So, I, you know, I look at your stuff and I'm like, this is right on, but I'm, I'm in your tribe of, I get it, go where you're treated best. And, you know, for, for one of my YouTubers, he gets so much flack now because he's pushed Africa, 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 and it's mainly... Well, it's a 50-50 because he has an audience of everyone, but people think it's a mainly black audience. And, you know, black folk get mad. What do you mean go to Africa? And, and, and recently that's kind of shifted with Ghana. And then, you know, white folks say, you know, okay, you're going to go. We want to go with you. And it's like, okay, come. And then you have the white supremacists say, you guys are all leaving America. You can't leave America. You're like, wait, why can't we leave America? Because, you know, and I'm sure, and I know you've gone through it because I've gone through your comments <laughs> before they get deleted and you get that yeah. same type of flack. So it's not a black, white, it's a, it, are you in the tribe? Here's the thing about flack, right? I mean, like, you know, I think that maybe five years ago, there was some semblance that this was real. Here's my message to anyone who's an entrepreneur uh, or a creator. Uh, everyone's getting flack. Everyone's getting, I mean, like, you know what our biggest flack is? about it's from people who want to claim they want to hire us, but actually don't. And then, so we, you know, we're like, Hey, we're sorry, we can't help you. And then they go and complain that we didn't, you know, cause like this, it's this thing because the haters, they, they so want to tell, you no. And if you tell them no first, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, you know, we're at capacity. Uh, they can't deal with it. And so it's become so much and so prevalent 
um, that I think that anyone uh, who's not in that tribe of haters just sees through it. You know, I think that the imposter syndrome, it's easier to deal with these days if you keep that in mind. Uh, if you just understand everyone's getting hate, everyone's getting, I mean, like, you know, the most overused word in businesses, hmm. scam, everything's a scam. Here's what a scam is. Someone takes your money and they run away. I, re I, I watch them, these internet marketing guys. I don't envy them because they're selling stuff to every Tom, Dick and Harry who wants to start a business. And what do these guys do? They buy some ebook for $7. They don't become millionaires tomorrow and they go in, oh, it's a scam. It's the most overused word in the, but I think people are really, you know, waking up to it. I'm very lucky because, uh, you know, you know, I'm working with people who are at a very high level. And so I don't have to deal with some guy who, you know, I just took his last $7 and now he's angry. Um, but I, 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 that's what I would say. I would say that, um, you know, it, 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 there's become a transparency now where there's so much of it. You don't have to worry and you shouldn't worry. You talk about those folks who say they want to hire you. Um, I know as a consultant and, and PR. I was about to until you put up this video. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you get that push. You get it to where you think like maybe some people just want to see what the cost is so then they can maybe try to really replicate what you're doing so they can take this. Because I've seen that. It, it, this is the same paperwork. And because the world is so big but it's so small – it, you know, do you ever see that? Like this person just wants, I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, the beautiful thing that, that, you know, we've done is we've got, you know, in the last year we've gone from about four people to about 23, 24 people now. And what the beautiful thing for me has been is the feeling of letting go. Mm. That's been probably my biggest flaw is needing to be involved in too many small things. That's also something that holds you back. Um, you have to trust people and you have to have people who are competent. Those are, you know, Dave Ramsey, entree leadership. Mm -hmm. trust and competence that's what you need to effectively delegate and you have to delegate to grow uh so i i, I don't know I, I don't know who's doing all some of this stuff or who's doing what i mean you know but uh you know I, I i just think that um if you're if you're a creator you can't get bogged down okay what is your community give back? I know you've talked about some of the charities, but is there something that maybe you've done in the past that sticks out or that you want to do in the future? Is something that we like to ask all of our guests. Yeah. Well, one of the big things that I've personally been involved in in the past, and, and we'll probably get it started here again in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, you know, for me, I have, a, I have a soft spot for animals. And so as I've traveled around the world, and especially in the places where I've called home, for part of the year, you know, I, I'm always traveling around. Uh, I'd like to take in, you know, wounded animals. I remember, you know, being in different cities at some times and you'd find a cat on the street and it's in bad shape and you, you know, you look, where's the vet? And uh, that's a situation where money can help. I and mean, I remember, you know, finding different animals on the street and, and you know, the, the local shelter or whatever doesn't want to take them. It's like, you know, you know, I'm leaving tomorrow or I'm leaving in a week from now. Like, what if I donate, you know, 500 bucks? I mean, I'm sure you can take care of a cat, you know, with 500. Okay, sure. Yeah, we'll do that. And then they, it feels really nice to see the animals being rehomed. And so I've done that um, partially with my team and partially on my own a bunch of times. You know, the challenge for me is, you know, I look at this, I, I kind of envy, I, I don't envy, but I, I, I respect what Bill Gates has done, where it was solid, you know, nose to the grindstone business for a long time, and then phasing into philanthropy. I think that's something that you'll see me do. Um, but, you know, for me, it's very hard when I'm in business to do anything but business. Mm. Uh, it's very, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm just either 24 seven or I'm not. It's very hard for me not to be walking around thinking about it. And so while I have done uh, some of that stuff. I mean, for me, I like to go and scope out charities. I'll go and talk to them when I'm in their city, you know, in Armenia or India or wherever, and I'll talk to them and I'll get a good vibe and I'll make sure that they're not just like one of these charities where it's like totally anti-business. I mean, there was one charity I was looking at, they're doing a great job, but I said like, I'd like to give you guys a bunch of money, but like, I'm not paying $45 for a, a, a child's coat. Yeah. Like, we can probably have some local people in the, in the villages here make coats for a lot. Like I'm not just going to give you money to waste. Um, but so that's what I've done. I have not really been involved more other than vetting the charities uh, precisely because I'm 24 seven, but I guess my goal um, that I haven't nailed down when it will be yet is to eventually, you know, be more of the nomad citizen and talk about the causes that are important to me. 
Um, I think the best way to do that is to become successful in business and, um, you know, like a Bill Gates on a smaller level, perhaps, but be successful in business to where you can retire. You can be set for life uh, at the, the lifestyle that you want to live. But then you can also go out and do substantial giving. And so that's what I'm kind of accumulating, uh, you know, markers for uh, in the future uh, while I'm giving. And that giving, I mean, um, I, I don't know if you've read the book, Give Work, um, and where she basically talks about, you know, going to, to Kenya, going to Kibera, and being able to hire people there to do, kind of like making her own fiber. And, you know, Layla did so much good. And I read that book, and right when I get to the end, find out she's dead, you know, at before 40, and that she went to all these different places around the world to give work. And I know you have a global team. But we only have, and, and that's the deeper point I really want people to understand is you have this life to live. And, you know, if it's all about you and your things and whatever brand of clothing you like, your life is very shallow. But giving work brings and allows another family to then go hire another family. And there's no feeling like that where you're not just supplying for one family, but that they are supplying for another. Like, to me, it's like, okay, for purposeful work, oh man, can I do this uh, over and over and over? Because driving the Tesla <laughs> is going to get, you know, that autopilot I don't trust. Um, and two, I'm really tired of driving, period. I want to I wanna show first. Oh, well, I, I've been doing it in years. <laughs> I mean, here's what I, here's what I will say, right? You know, listen, I like nice stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, so for me, I like to, you know, I like to, uh, to dress a certain way. I mean, certainly in this, this t-shirt is not representative, but, you know, I like to wear nice shoes. And so, you know, I think, you know, the, there's so much uh, shame going on out there. It's like, wh you know, why would you pay a thousand dollars for a pair of shoes? Well, I don't know. Why would you buy a hundred thousand dollar car that loses half of its value in the next three years? Uh, you know, way of our things we like to spend money on. I don't think depriving yourself. I think somebody, some of these kind of hustle and grind guys today are all about depriving yourself. Listen, if you're making money, don't deprive yourself. For me though, on the other hand, uh, I, I do agree with you in the sense of, you know, I've reduced my tax rate to about 1% on a global level um, from the 40s when I was in the United States. And because of that, I think that was another psychological trigger to go out and make more money because now you're not giving half of it away uh, so they can waste it. Uh, but with that, I think there is a certain covenant where it's like, all right, you know, let me take some of that excess, enjoy it. Let me take some of it and save it for the future and creating a legacy for my, for my future family. You know, let me also go out and hire more people in places where there are fewer opportunities uh, and pay people well above what they would make uh, anywhere else um, and, and create, you know, opportunities in those countries. Uh, but also, you know, go ahead and give some of it. And so, you know, this is where I perhaps diverge from some folks in the industry where, you know, certainly there are people, let's, 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 be, let's be honest, there are people who are in the community of, you know, international tax planning and pay zero tax we're selfish people and uh, you know, they don't want to give to anybody. Now, listen, I think there are certain causes that probably aren't that worthy, but I do think there are certainly people who in causes that can benefit from um, intentional uh, giving. Uh, I think that, you know, again, uh, you know, creating opportunities around the world for folks in a capitalistic way, but also helping folks, you know, if someone's, uh, you know, an orphan with a, with a developmental disability, uh, you know, give them a job isn't the answer. Uh, and and I, I, I think that's important. Well, you guys have got the game. If we gave you too much, your head would explode. I can't wait to see, you know, Andrew say, hey, I got this TV deal because I went to Cannes and I went to MIP and, you know, everybody wanted to, you know, they gave me my Netflix special and all that because this financial literacy is needed more than whatever is going on on cable TV. And I have no clue, but, you know, this is the world we live in. But I appreciate you for coming to give the game. Everyone, go to nomadcapitalist.com. Get this book. Study the website. I mean, you gave so much. I mean, this is so much learning that you can read about. And if this really hits you, you guys will enjoy this. Make sure you subscribe to Andrew's channel. Like, share give this to somebody who you know they will enjoy this. I appreciate you, Andrew, for coming on. I, I, I appreciate being with you and appreciate the invite and all the kind words. It's, it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you.
You guys, we're out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.